Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. How do we rebuild from crisis? And we are in a time of crisis now, aren't we? Even uh, this morning with uh, having to find a worship leader at the last minute, it's because there's COVID in the air, especially in the northwest, like Vic said. But it's global, isn't it? This is a global problem. I was uh, talking to a guy this week who is a pastor of a church in Mumbai, and we're interviewing him on a broadcast um, next week, on Tuesday, actually. Uh, And so I was just chatting to him, and he was telling me some of the things that happened in Mumbai and that were happening in India. and actually the, the, the kind of craziness of that nation, how intense it is there. And he was just explaining this to me. And you realise this, this little uh, disease uh, actually that causes cough and cold and makes us feel rubbish, but largely that's it, but it, then it can kill some people, has caused this global problem, this global crisis. And then it's national as well. We've seen uh, how it has affected us as a nation for, what, about 18 months now. Uh, but then it kind of boils down into the personal as well. It feels like it's in our homes, it's in our schools, it's on our streets, this sense of crisis. And it's not just that it makes us sick and that it kills some people. It's actually has done more, hasn't it? It's brought other crises out. It's brought other things forwards to the, to the surface. And it's done that globally, hasn't it? Or, or nationally as well and personally too. And when we are in crisis, it's a very human response just to get through it and be done isn't it? I just want the crisis to end. I don't want any more than that. When it's over, I'm going to move on uh, and I'm looking forward to never talking about COVID again. It's a bit like when all we could talk about was Brexit and you just thought, when one day I won't have to talk about this. I uh, didn't realise that would be because of COVID, but there you go. This is what, what we get through and you, you just think, I need to get through this crisis. Now actually, In this moment of crisis, it's so important that we pause and reflect, which is what we're talking about as we read through Haggai. And we're going to think about how we rebuild and what has been exposed by crisis. What do we need to reflect on? What do we need to think? Actually, this has revealed something that perhaps even personally I need to work on, but also nationally and globally. Actually, I think if we don't, as a species, as humanity, pause and reflect on some things, then we're going to be back in this situation remarkably quickly. Uh, But it's to provoke us as well to think, what is it actually that we are building or rebuilding? And how are we going to do that? So we're going to read from Haggai um, chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. Uh, It should be there, the passage there. There you go. Uh, If you've got Bibles, open it. And uh, it's a fairly chunky bit. So we're going we're gonna to read. I'm going to start at the beginning. It says, then. Okay, let's pause there. So let's focus on the words then. I'm not going to do this for every word, I should point out. Um, actually, this is the easiest way to get through this crisis. We're going to stay here for seven days. No one will leave. We'll work through word by word. None of us will get sick. It'll be fine. Uh, okay, so then. Okay, now, then is a very powerful word. So you need to think about the word then. Because then implies what now? What happens next? 
Uh, and uh, it's following God saying, look, you need to rebuild the temple. Remember, we talked about this last week. You've focused on your own lives, your own homes. You've ignored the temple of God. You've ignored the most important thing in this nation, in you as a people, in the, perhaps the whole universe, the presence of God with you. And so then it says then, okay, and we think about God breaks in and requires a response from us, doesn't he? When God confronts us, and sometimes he does, and sometimes he does it very gently, and sometimes it's quite a stark confrontation, but there's, uh, he is asking us to reassess our priorities. To, to just think, actually, is God at the centre? Have I just built my own house and ignored his? And when crisis is upon us, actually, it often reveals like, who we truly are. When we're under pressure in life, uh, actually, that can reveal what's really going on in our hearts. Perhaps what our maturity levels, our character levels are. And actually, in those moments, we have to be honest. That's the, how we get through and how we learn and grow, is to be honest about what's happening and what we're dealing with. Honest about the state of our hearts. So, then is a very important word, okay? It doesn't just join a sentence up, it's an important word because it is the beginning of the next phase, okay? And it does, it, even how, what comes up just after then shows where our hearts are. So it could say, then we gave up, okay? That shows something of what's going on. Or then it could say this, it could say, then we believed in ourselves, okay? And that is almost as bad as giving up. I want to just put that out there. And then it says, then we turned to God, okay? So the then is important, isn't it? The reaction, the response to these big moments, these crises, they, they need to be grasped and understood. The then is important. So Israel, a long history of worshipping other gods, even though their God had saved them, brought them out of slavery, set them up as his people, his priests to all of humanity, they worshipped other gods. They even trusted in other nations to protect themselves. They ignored and forgot gods. And God said, you've neglected to build the temple. You have built your own houses. And he calls them back to him, and so then... It's loaded with suspense this moment. What will they do next? And if we read all of the Old Testament, we would think actually on kind of their common behaviour of the people of God, it would be then they made a right mess of things. That would be what we would normally think would happen. But actually, this time is a bit different. And we are in a then moment. Okay? I think many of us, personally, individually, even as a church, as a nation, as a people, we are in a, a then moment. We've had a difficult 18 months, shall we say. And it's very possible the next 18 months could be difficult as well. But God uses these times to speak to us, doesn't he? Uh, he did with the Israelites, he said, look, build my temple, put me at the centre. And I wonder if he is saying the same thing to us. What is at the centre of your lives? And I want to ask you, if, if to start with, this is the first thing to think about this morning, do you feel the then moment? And allow yourself to feel it. Now we may think, because we're in crisis, I just want this to end. I want this to, to be done, so I'm not going to think about the application or what I need to learn and grow in. I just want it to be over. And when it's over, we'll never talk about it again. It's easy to brush past these moments. But actually, there is a then moment, and then there is the first step that we make. And so God presents to them their first step. Okay, You've been through crisis. Uh, actually, the crisis is lingering, but a bit similar to where we are now. And there is a first step you must make to rebuild. Okay, and you might think, okay, well, it's getting bricks and mortar. It's uh, rebuilding temple. No, it's a bit different. But there is a first step. 
So what is that step? What are we going to make? And actually, there's a few that in every rebuilding process. There are numbers of steps you have to make in the journey. But if you get the first one wrong, you, you go in the wrong direction, don't you? You end up wandering uh, somewhere you shouldn't. So the first step is the most important one. And the first step is very simple, as God would have it. It is relationship with him. So how do we rebuild? First step, relationship with God. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well, Tim, you're a preacher. You kind of, if you said something else, we'd be worried. That's the thing that you have to say. But let's read and see what God says. So he says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their gods and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared gods. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, said, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotil, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their gods. On the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, on the second year of Darius the king. So our first step, and remember the first step is the important one. If you walk in the wrong direction, that is where your path will take you. Our first step in our rebuilding is relationship. It is actually our relationship with our Father in heaven, putting God at the centre. And we're just going to kind of work our way through this passage and we're going to pick out two very simple elements to this first step and where it leads us and how even we take that step. And there are two simple ways. There is the step of obedience followed by a step of purpose. Obedience and purpose. So you see, it says, They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They obeyed. (coughs) Relationship begins with obedience, with our Father in heaven. Relationship restored begins with obedience. And actually, that simple act of obeying God's actually is very, very powerful, is very restorative. Uh, To obey, it means that you have heard. Okay? It doesn't mean you've just heard, but also means you have listened. So you've acknowledged what you have heard. Uh, now, this is a side point, but if you are experiencing any relationship difficulties, perhaps with somebody that you live with, start by just listening and hearing what they say. And often when we're in uh, relationship difficulties, we can be thinking, I want them to understand what I feel about this situation. We can start with wanting to be heard ourselves, but actually the only way we can break the deadlock often is by humbly just saying, I will listen to you, I will hear what you have to say say and not then just pausing and going right now it's my turn to speak no it's a genuine listening and hearing Uh, and obedience is God's call to us isn't it to be obedient is to hear to listen and then to put it into practice now it's interesting isn't it that God doesn't that the, the kind of the restored relationship doesn't begin with the promise of success you notice that and say, right, okay, uh, if you, you put me at the centre and amazing things will happen to you, it will reward you greatly. There's none of that in there. 
Also, there is no kind of massaging of ego. You people are brilliant. Please put me back at the centre. You, you guys are amazing. Please, if you could make me the centre of your life, I'd really appreciate it. There's none of that. There's no boosting of self-esteem. There's no kind of rah-rah boost of confidence. It's simply they obeyed. They humbled themselves, actually, and they repented. Now, repenting is one of those words that we need to kind of re-examine and remind ourselves. But repenting is directing our lives at God. It's away from something, back to God. And often when we think of repentance, we can think of it as just, I'm going to apologise for the things that I've done. Okay? So, I, I apologise. Uh, but actually, that isn't enough. It's part of the issue, but you can actually apologise and then just carry on behaving as you were. And then after a while you feel guilty and then you apologise again and then you carry on behaving as you were. Uh, over the years, uh, Vicky has often said to me, Tim, there are times where you talk to me in a way which doesn't make me feel good. Okay? Now, now I'm sure that surprises all of you, uh, but that has happened on occasion. And so I would apologise. But if I apologised and then carried on talking badly, that would show that the apology was false, wasn't real, uh, and actually there was no repentance there at all. Actually, change in behaviour has to happen with repentance, doesn't it? Change in maturity. We have to redirect our lives to God. Obedience and repentance is saying, I listen to you, God. I hear what you are saying to me. I will obey you and I will live for you. That's a huge thing, actually. But that is what the people of God did. As God instructed them, he said, they, said you know, they obeyed the voice of their Lord. And there is a moment for us, actually, to listen and obey. To hear what God is saying. And perhaps, actually, there are things that God has been prompting you about. Maybe through this crisis. And it's hard when lots of things are happening that are very difficult. We're in a tough moment. Whether it's health or lockdown or whatever it is that has been brought out. To actually, in those moments, to hear God. Because there's so much static and noise, isn't there? But in this, there is a moment for us just to hear. And perhaps God has been prompting you about stuff. Maybe changes in lifestyle. Maybe things that he would like you to do for him. Now, I know for me, actually, during the, the winter lockdown, which was no fun at all, I developed a deep hatred for the winter lockdown, but I felt actually from God's, I'd read a couple of books, uh, just because I like reading books, uh, and a few of them they had prompted me a little bit, and God used it. He said to me, Tim, I want you to think about how much you use your mobile phone. How much you use your smartphone, Tim? I want you to think about how much you use your social media. And I knew in that moment that I had to repent. And that wasn't just, yeah, I'm sorry, I use it too much. Right, BBC Sport. Uh, it wasn't that. Actually, I knew I needed to change behaviour. Uh, and actually, you might think this is a minor thing, but actually for me it was quite important. So I deleted any number of apps, unfollowed many thousands of people on my social media accounts, barely used them now, um, and, and it was actually a moment of being a to God. Now you might think, okay, it's a very minor thing, but I knew that God was speaking to me, that he was challenging me, that he was calling me to some obedience in that moment. Now there may be any number of things for you. The key here is to listen to God and to obey, to hear him. Even in the crisis, to think, God, what are you saying to me? What do I need to do? And this repentance, this obedience, changed them. It said they feared the Lord. 
Okay, and when we fear God, it means we have put him in his right place because we understand that God is huge. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. And if we understand that about him, then we are right to be slightly fearful of him. Okay? It has a real impact on their day-to-day living. So what happens now? Okay, They've obeyed and they have heard God's and they have repented and they've come back into his presence. And what does this mean? Okay, actually, it's not just kind of a legal position, like, yes, I'm now a Christian, carry on with life as I had done before. Actually, relationships are very dynamic. Relationships have purpose to them, don't they? So, the parent-child relationship, the aim is to bring that child to maturity. Now, some of you with little kids may be thinking, when's that ever going to happen? But it does. Your aim is to bring that kid to maturity so they can thrive in the world and they can do well and they can uh, learn to support themselves and other people. Uh, Friendships, they, they have a different dynamic to them, but they still have purpose to support each other in life as we go through stuff, to have fun together, to relax together. They're important things. Relationships have purpose. And God's uh, relationship with his people was restored so that they could live out their purpose. So let's think of this step of purpose. We've looked at the step of obedience, and what's the step of purpose? Well, it says, Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, saying, I am with you. I am with you, declares the Lord. It's interesting, as we think about stepping out into purpose, stepping out into what God has made for us, called us to do, he declares a thing, God, right at the beginning of that, before even they've started. He says, I am with you. And he declares it as a fact as well. Have you noticed that? I am with you. He doesn't say, you will feel like I am with you. He doesn't say, there will be days it feels great, other days where you're wondering where I am. He just says, I am with you. And actually, Jesus, his son, uh, 500 years later, said something very similar. He said, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he said, I am with you, I am with you always to the end of the age. Very similar things. God is instructing his people to rebuild the temple. Jesus was instructing his people, go and make disciples of all nations, which is a very similar thing. But building a thing where God can meet with his people, disciples and the temple. But he's saying, I am with you in these things. They are present with us, both stated as truth, both stated as a relationship. We can't have a relationship with someone that is absent, can you? I was thinking today of a friend of mine who was at our wedding, which was 21 years ago nearly, and uh, he was one of my best mates. And when we got married, I moved from Bedford to Birmingham. Bedford's a rubbish place. We went to Birmingham much better than Bedford, and that's where we went to live. Um, But me and this guy really never saw each other very much after that. We'd invite him up. He'd say yes, then cancel. We'd try and go see him. He'd say yes, then cancel. So the relationship really went from very close mates to we don't know each other anymore, because it's 20, 20 years of that and you, because you can't have relationship with someone who's not there can you it's not possible God is saying I am with you now you may be in moments of crisis and thought where are you God you say I am with you but where are you actually in this this is independent of how we feel it's independent of the situation he is with you whether you feel it or not And God doesn't say in this, look, I will give you what you want. 
He also doesn't say, your wish is my command. He just says, I am with you. It's the promise of his presence. And in those moments where it's crisis, where we're saying, God, where are you? Because this is rubbish. Where are you? Why isn't this situation changing? And when it stays difficult, you can really think, where is God? And in that moment, there is an incredible faith opportunity. We often think about faith when we read books of perhaps famous missionaries or people who've tried things and God has really blessed it. We think, wow, they had amazing faith. Well, the faith came before the book was written, right at the beginning when nothing was happening and they were trying hard. So Vicky always says, if you read a book about missionaries, the first half of the book is the first five to ten years was really hard and nothing happened. (laughs) And that's where the faith is. That's the big faith moment. God promises his presence to us. Doesn't promise this is going to be easy for you lot. Absolute breeze. He doesn't promise that. He just says, I'm with you. And this is something to remind ourselves with. Actually a constant reminder. God is with me. It means that we have relationship. It doesn't mean I get what I want. God is with me so I must get what I want. No, it means we have relationship. We live in his presence. And some people might use that phrase, God is with me, to justify something, don't they? I'm right about everything because God is with me. Okay, Avoid those people, by the way. Uh, That's that's misusing it. This is a statement about relationship or even saying we're going to succeed as this because God is with us. Okay, Now there may be some truth in that, but actually this is a relationship statement, not a success statement. He's saying, I'm with you. When we pray this often, actually, I think as we remind ourselves of this, if we pray, God, you are with me, I know you are with me, that is the truth. Actually, that, that, that does damage to a few things in us. Okay? If we pray that, it does damage to self-reliance. That's important. That, think of, that The way of thinking that says, I am on my own, I am independent, I am strong, I can solve all of this by my own strength and willpower. Now some people are, are skilled in life and can solve lots of problems that come at them. I think what COVID has shown is actually there are some things that happen in the world where we have no control and no power. And in those moments where we say, God, you are with me, that goes from self-reliance to relying on God, doesn't it? Also, it, it, gets, it does damage to fatalism. And fatalism says nothing will ever change, everything is rubbish, only bad things happen to me. Okay? And you may have gone through a time where it feels like that's true, but in all of that, God says, I'm with you. And actually, things do change. Good things do happen. But most importantly, God is with us. And then if we keep reading, it says, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. The stirred up the spirit of Joshua. He stirred up the spirit of all the remnants of the people. And what did they do? They went and worked on the house of the Lord, of hosts, their gods. God is with us. His presence is very real. And he stirs us to do his work. When we submit ourselves, when we say, God, I hear you, I listen to you, I repent and I'm going to obey you, then God begins his process of stirring. And actually, this incident here where he stirs the people, it's quite a powerful moment. Actually, it reminds us of something. And Acts 2, 
if, you, if you've read Acts, which is 500 years later, Jesus has died, he's been resurrected again, all his disciples have seen him, it's an incredible moment, and then Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then Jesus goes back to the Father. And the disciples are waiting, maybe 120 of them, in this room in Jerusalem, and then the Holy Spirit falls on them. And what happens next? They preach the gospel, they pray for the sick, they look after the poor, they go on this crazy church planting uh, journey throughout Europe and Asia uh, over the next decades. God stirs them for his work by sending his spirit. It's exactly what happens here. God stirs his people for the work he would have them do by his spirit. So Christchurch Manchester, we are... are in a moment of rebuilding. We talked a bit about this last week, and our first step is relationship restored. It's coming before God and saying, I will obey you. And actually, that's a good thing to do quite often, just to get into God's presence and say, I I obey you, God. What do I need to repent of? What do I need to redirect back to you? Uh, I am living for you. Uh, And to hear God say, I'm with you. I'm with you. And be reminded of what Jesus says. I'm with you to the ends of the age. It's not like I'm with you in the good times and then I'm pretty distant in the bad times. Let's be honest. It's not that. He says, I'm with you. So I'm going to pray for you. Let's stand. And I'm going to pray.